0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But I want to tell you today that as we turn that page and the Christmas story as we know it starts to unfold and open up, not just for Israel, but for all of humanity, I want to tell you this morning that maybe you're sitting here today, and I want to tell you I don't think it's by chance or... Just as a precursor to a great lunch later, I want to tell you, I believe God is intrinsically involved in bringing us together today so that we can hear and remind our hearts that if you think your year has been tough or the last five years have been tough or you think you've had the worst year of your life and you think it's over, maybe as a parent you think you'll never get the song Baby Shark out of your head. Maybe, maybe you're here and God forbid you've even been a Manchester United fan this year. Jokes aside, I want to say maybe this has been one of those years that you just want to say, can't it be 2019 already because of the chaos, maybe because of relationship failure, maybe because of things, promises that were made but weren't kept, and you feel like, I, I've, I, I thought this year would be a year I would finally move forward, but it feels like I've taken steps backwards, and you think maybe you're looking at your life right now and you're saying it's over. It's over. I want to tell you the gospel and the good news of Christmas declares it's not over yet. So why don't you turn to your neighbor. We're going to do this one more time today. Why don't you turn to them, point to them and say, it's not over yet. Come on, it's not over yet. And I'm including my sermon in that. It's not over yet. You guys are doing very well today. Pray very quickly. Father, I pray for us as we gathered here today on this special day, this incredible day as we celebrate and commemorate the day that you became man on our behalf. I thank you, Father God, for every single heart here who's, who's, who's leaning in right now. I pray for every heart here. I pray for the hardest heart here that feels it's been wounded, it's been let down, and it feels that it actually has to protect itself to make it through. I pray for you to soften those hearts by your word. I thank you, Father God, for the furthest heart here, the hearts that feel they've gone far and feel there's no way back. They say, the things I've done I can, can never be restituted. I thank you, Father, for the furthest heart. Your grace is going further still today. And I thank you, Father. For the broken hearted here, the hearts that feel they'll never repair, never be whole again. I thank you, Father God, you're breathing your healing words into those hearts as well. I thank you, Jesus. You are after our hearts, and today we open our hearts to you. Amen. I want to tell you this, this morning very quickly that 400 years of silence of, on the back of all this anticipation and longing is broken with the Christmas narrative and the Christmas story as God, heaven invades earth in a dramatic way. But if you are a Jewish person, it happens in the most unusual way, the way you wouldn't expect. Malachi ends with the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings and with dramatic music in the background. I can imagine him going, he's coming. It's going to be victorious. And he'll give the kingdom back to Israel. But the first announcement of of heaven invading earth and the king coming is not in a dramatic fashion like that. It happens in an obscure place called Nazareth. And let me tell you about Nazareth very quickly. Nazareth is a bizarre little place because actually the, the, the place Nazareth first appears in Scripture in the book of Luke. It doesn't have a one or other recording in the rest of the Old Testament, in all the prophecies there's nothing said about Nazareth, in all the Jewish writings, nothing is said about Nazareth. Why? Because Nazareth was a little dorpy of a town. One where you blink while as you go on your, your road trip and it's gone. You don't even stop there for fuel. Because the, the, the scholars tell us there's about 50 to 100 people living there at that time. It was a small little village called Nazareth. And so much so that actually this place was so obscure that jokes were made about it. That actually reading read in scripture people would say things. What good could come from Nazareth? It was like the Englishman, the Irishman and the Nazarene. Those were the jokes. Because Nazareth was that backwater place. And actually the word Nazareth means separate or separated. So the actual village where the gospel is first proclaimed that the Messiah is coming is done in a place that is excluded and separate from the life of, 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 of Israel and separate, excluded from the social and economic, and political, and even religious structures of Israel. It's that little blip of a place on the map, and the good news of heaven comes there. What's more, it's not just comes to a place called separate, it comes to a young woman. Scriptures tell us that Mary, was, uh, scholars tell us she would have been between 12 and 15 years old. So Mary, meek and mild, you can imagine as a 12 and 15 year old, if our day and age, she probably would have been speaking more in emoticons and waiting for Ed Sheeran next year than than being all religious and pious. This was a young girl. But what's more is the emphasis on girl, woman is is huge. We can't just skip over that because actually in that day and age, women were not allowed. they, They would have gone once a year to the temple in Jerusalem, but women wouldn't go on that trip they were excluded from that, that that religious reality she would learn either in the back row of the synagogue or or if they were quite strict outside the synagogue just by word of mouth women were excluded they wouldn't have been taught so this Mary would have probably been illiterate she probably wouldn't be able to read and write because of the structures of the day. So we find a young woman, but also Scripture tells us she was betrothed, which means she was engaged. But in, in our culture, betrothal in their culture was a little one level up from engagement. It was a year preceding marriage that was taken so seriously, it was almost covenantally uh, serious, that actually if somebody messed up or cheated in that year or, or, or went against the promises they made in that year leading up to marriage, They were so serious they would actually need a, a, you could be divorced for it. Or if they were taking, applying the law to its full extent, they could even be stoned to death for committing adultery in that year. This was how serious this moment was. And a young woman who's betrothed to be married, living in this area called separate, a land called separate, in a small town, excluded, a woman excluded from religious social elements of life, the good news of heaven comes to her in that place. Can I tell you why that is so profound? We need to allow that to go deep in our hearts. Is because actually, I believe that so often we put front and center our disqualifications as why God can't move in our situation. We're saying that what we have done or the situations that we feel are impossible. we feeling that we are separate from the life of God. We feel we're excluded from the life of God because of what we have done. But I want to tell you today, no matter what situation faces you, no matter how far you think you've strayed, no matter how separate and excluded you feel, the good news of the Christmas stories tells me it's not over yet. It's not over yet. The story gains traction as Mary receives this good news of great joy that she would bear a child, miraculously, Jesus, the Savior of the world, will be born in her womb. And Joseph and Mary go on this journey. as Joseph says, yes, I'll Again, get, gets confronted by an angel. He gets courage, and he goes on this journey with Mary to, to be the father of Jesus. And as they go, they have to go to a place called Bethlehem. Now, this amazing thing called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a little bit different from Nazareth. Bethlehem is a town that's 10 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And actually they had to go to Bethlehem just before the birth of Jesus. Why? Because there was a census taking place. A census of Quirinius. It was historically happened that actually all the people were going to go. And because Joseph was from Bethlehem, they had to go to Bethlehem to go and take part in the census. So there's a bit of excitement because there's a whole host of people, possibly family members that they haven't seen for ages, who are going to be flocking to Bethlehem. There's expectation, excitement in their hearts. What's more is Bethlehem has been prophesied that the Messiah would be born there. Micah chapter 5 says that in Bethlehem that, Jesus will ra- that God will raise up the shepherd of his people, the Messiah. So Mary and Joseph are going... I think we've got the Messiah. We're going to Bethlehem. Oh my word, the puzzle pieces are coming together. Maybe there's going to be a big celebration there. The longing, the anticipation is going to be celebrated there. What's even more is Bethlehem, literally translated, is house of bread. House of bread, house of provision. They can they can put in all the pieces together. This is going to be amazing. So they get there, about to give birth. They're so excited and they're so thrilled. But they get there and they're met not with excitement, not with anticipation, but with, sorry, there's no room here for you. There's no room here for you. One could even imagine that family members of Joseph would have been there for the census. And they probably were like, uh, Mary, you still holding on that virgin birth thing. Uh, no, thank you. They probably turned away from those family members, turned away. This was like the worst Airbnb ever. They're all full. Nowhere to go. And the place that was supposed to be the house of bread, the house of provision, there's no homes and there's definitely no bread. That actually we find out that the place of expectation becomes disappointment for them and they have to go into what they feel side, sidelined into a manger, a stable with the animals. Moo. Well played. They have to go there with those animals and, and they just and it feels like it's the disappointment of Bethlehem. But Bethlehem. Doesn't really match up to what's going on. I, I want to say this morning, maybe you've been walking this year or in a few, for a while, and you feel there's promises made. You had promises this year of, of, of maybe a promotion or a raise, but your boss remained silent and, and, and you had all this hope, a disappointment is set in. You had hope in a relationship and it was going well, but just as it started to go well, it started to fail. Or you had hope in in in, some, in our country in economics or something, and it's gone backwards, and you feel like disappointment is setting in. You had hope that this would be the year that you would lose weight, maybe hope that this would be the year that something would change, or more seriously, hope would be the this would be the year that you would have joy instead of your depression that you've been battling with. But disappointment comes as another year comes and goes, and you feel and I'm feeling disappointed. I want to tell you the good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel. Is that maybe your Bethlehem, your place of expectation, has been dropped and lowered. But the good news of Christmas is it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I want to tell you one more place in Scripture that just leaps at me out of the text. And it's a place that comes a little bit later. A few pages in your Bible, you flick. It's a place called Golgotha. Not often preached about a Christmas, but it's so profound because Golgotha is a place that Jesus would die. Now, it's so huge because I want to tell you this Christmas that Jesus primarily did not come to earth to be born. That was part of the journey. And Jesus primarily did not come to earth to be a great teacher. Although he did have some incredible profound teachings. Jesus also did not come primarily to earth to, to show us a good example. That was part of it. But it was not also primarily to come to earth to show us some great miracles. No. Jesus primarily came to earth to die. It sounds quite dramatic to say that on Christmas Day. I will tell you. But you cannot separate Christmas from the death of Jesus. If you do, you're shortcutting the glory of the story. You see, the incredible thing is that Jesus, at the age of 33, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and was hung on a cross to die. Now, Golgotha is a notorious place in Israel where the criminals were crucified. Golgotha means Nazareth was separate, Bethlehem was house of bread. Golgotha means place of the skull or literally place of death. Because the stench of death was all over the place. Even stepping near it came with, the odor would fill your nostrils of the deaths of criminals that had gone before. And Jesus is led there. Innocent, lamb-like on our behalf, he goes to death for our sins. And he dies on that cross. But what's dramatic is on that cross, in his final breath, as he, with one of his final breaths, he declares over humanity, he says this, It is finished. And as he says that, I can imagine the disciples who've banked everything on Jesus, who've put their qualifications or disqualifications on Jesus. They put disappointment and, and, and longing onto Jesus. They put everything. Maybe this is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy of Jesus. Disciples who were separate. Disciples who have been let down. But they found a hope in Jesus. They've been going with him. And they're going, he's going to restore the fortunes to Israel. This is the one that scripture talks about. This is him. And they get to the cross. Jesus says, it is finished. And I can imagine in their ears, disappointment sets in. Oh no, not again. Disqualifications leap up and they go, we we can't be disciples. We have to go back to fishing. As death grips their hearts, they realize actually maybe this isn't what happened. They hear the words, it is finished. And for them it's translated, it's over. It's over. But I want to tell you that the heart of the gospel for us as Christians is not a manger. It's a resurrected king. It's not a baby Wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's a resurrected king holding the keys of life and death in his hand. And I want to tell you today that the good news of the story is that it's not over yet because Friday happened. But Friday has just a precursor to Sunday when Jesus rose forever victorious over sin and death. Victorious forever over every disqualification that raises his head over your life. Over every disappointment. Over every broken situation. Jesus rose triumphantly and scripture tells us that if we believe in him, that we'll be raised to life with Christ. Here's the good news of Christmas for you and I today, is that this is the glory of the Christmas story, is that if you think it's over, it's not over yet. I have confidence today. Maybe you've slipped in here for just, hey, this is what we do before we have Christmas lunch. I want to put hope in your heart that if you think your marriage is over or hanging by a thread or not what it once was, I want to tell you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe your marriage can be raised to life. I believe that if you're sitting on a situation where you're going finances, it's over. Once January comes, I don't know how I'm going to pay school fees. I don't know how we're going to move on. I want to tell you it's not over yet because we have a king who stands victorious over that situation. I want to tell you if your emotions are gone and you say, I don't have anything left to give my kids. I've got nothing left inside of me. I don't think I can trust God at one more moment. I want to tell you it's not over yet, not because of your trust or your faith or your circumstance, but because there's a king who stands victorious over it. It's not over Yet. I'm going to ask my friend V, if it's okay, can you come and play the pads to help me for my last story? I want to tell us one story, then we'll, we'll, we'll close. Is that uh, for my family, the, the 16th of March has always been a date that, that, that held some, some sort of fear, some sort of disqualification and terror for us. Why? Because on the 16th of March, many years ago, about 40 or so years ago, my mom's first husband died on the 16th of March. They'd been married for a year, and uh, that year was supposed to be one of joy, but it was one of sadness because in that year he, got, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he died. So for a year, marriage for my mom was just this devastating journey of disappointment, of fear, and he died on the 16th of March. Then a few years later, her family got a phone call in the middle of the night that said, her brother who was living in England, her younger brother was, had been murdered. And he was murdered, as fate would have it, on the 16th of March. Skip 20 or so years. My dad's mom, we got a phone call. She'd been on holiday in South Africa. We were living in Zimbabwe. But she passed away in a horrific car crash up in, up in Durban um, by Harry Smith on the way down to Durban. She had a car crash that was horrific, and she passed away on the 16th of March. And uh, that year, every anniversary would come, and the 16th of March on both sides of my family was just one that was, we want to get through this day. There was pain, there was sorrow, there was regret, there was, there was anguish, there was anger. Why? A lot of why questions, a lot of maybe what have we done wrong, disqualifications, disappointments of what ifs, what could have been. Grandchildren that could have been celebrated, friendships that were supposed to, lives cut short in their prime. A lot of what ifs and pain. And the 16th of March was a date that was a date that loomed large in the back of our minds. Just get through it and we move on. It was like a shadow that just would follow our family. That was until the year 2017. Because on the 16th of March, not the 15th of March, not the 17th of March, but on the 16th of March, 2017, my daughter, Olivia Grace, was born. Which is profound in God's wisdom. And I want to tell you that day. There was a day of regret, brokenness, pain. That day was redeemed in a moment when a little girl was born on a day that was death and destruction for my family. As God said, I'm going to redeem that thing that is held as a shadow of you for too long. What is profound is we named our little girl Olivia Grace for a reason. Olivia is a derivative of peace. And grace means undeserved Mercy. And we felt that for our family, we could declare over hearts that had been destroyed by death, by fear, by anger, by resentment, we could declare that that day was being redeemed with grace and peace forevermore. I want to tell you that the scriptures tell us in the New Testament, most of the New Testament letters open up with Paul writing, grace and peace to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, if I could, with the stories in here, maybe there's stories of disqualification, of where you've been living in areas called separate for too long. You've been divorcing your heart from God because you feel you don't measure up and you're living in exclusion. You have the face, but your heart is not there. Or you've been living in disappointment. The relationships you had faith for have failed. Things have failed and, you have, and people have let you down or people have died and people, things have cut short and you feel, I've been carrying this disappointment. I don't know how to move from the shadow. Or maybe you even in the States, a place of Golgotha where you're saying, hey, Gabe, you don't know what I've done. I'm so sinful. The things that I've done, the things I've thought, the things I'll never be able to get that stench, that trail away from me. I want to tell you this this, this morning, that no matter what has gone on in your life, that Jesus can in a moment, because of Christmas, pour His grace and His peace into that story. He can flood your heart with grace and peace forevermore. If I could, out a little girl and put her in your arms symbolically of grace and peace coming in, but I won't do that because it'll terrify her and probably would take a long time. But I've got something better for you: is that the scriptures tell us that when we place our trust in Jesus, He says that all of heaven is poured into our hearts, into our broken spaces, our hard heart spaces, our far heart spaces. The grace and peace of Jesus can redeem, restore, renew anything. So I tell you today, if you think your story, your sin, your moment, your pain is to, is over, it's over. I want to tell you it's not over yet because he wants to redeem what the enemy has stolen. And he wants to use it for his glory. Today I give you not the cute and cuddly Christmas story. I give you the Christmas glory which transforms earth because Jesus, the son of God, became the son of man. So that sons of men might become the sons of God. This is the glory. Why don't we close our eyes at this time? I want to pray for us in this moment. I pray for my own heart. My fickle heart that goes to fear and anxiety, to regret, to sin too often. In this moment, I want to bring my heart and say, Jesus, is yours. Would your grace and peace flood my heart? Today, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you've, you're saying, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, but you're saying, Jesus, my heart has been in a place called separate, or it's been in a place of disappointment, or it's been a place of death and sin, I want to give my heart to you afresh, Jesus. I want, I'm going to ask you in a moment to put up your hand briefly so I can pray for you. So, uh, putting up our hand does nothing. It's just an extension of our faith and our heart saying, actually include me in that prayer, G- God, uh, Gabe. I want, to, I want to give my heart back to Jesus fully, completely. Uh, I'm not a man who plays on anything but the goodness of God. But even just says that the sign at the back, suddenly by one breath of wind will collapse in a moment. Our lives in a moment could collapse. Got a phone call last night, news of a friend in Durban who's preparing to preach and his wife had a car crash on the way there. His little girl's in hospital and their family life has changed forever. You never know what the next moment is. Don't leave it for another day. Don't live in a place called separate or disappointment or death one moment longer when Jesus is saying, I have come to give you life, to breathe hope and grace and peace into every heart. So today, if wherever you are, for the first time or the hundredth time, I'm going to ask you so I can pray the Christmas glory into your heart, the glory of Jesus Christ into your heart. If you are saying, I am not staying in separate any longer, I'm not staying disqualified, disappointed or dead any longer, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. Make this the best Christmas ever. Let things change. It's not as you declare, it's not over yet for my life. I'm gonna ask you, could you lift your hand very quickly so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you. There's a couple hands. Is there anyone else? I want to include you in this prayer. Is there somebody else around here? Cool, is there anyone else? I don't want to I don't want to rush off. For me, the hands are not, not the thing, it's just it's it's faith as we lift our hands. Father, as these, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I thank you, Father, as these hands are lifted, but more importantly, his hearts are postured towards you saying, I'm going to trust you, maybe stumblingly, maybe just with a little bit saying, Jesus, I trust you fully. I thank you, Father God, would you breathe your grace, your peace, your hope into devastating situations, into hurtful situations, into painful moments, into sinful hearts. Would you revive, and I thank you, God, years that the enemy has stolen years, that the enemy has paraded around with a, with, when, and tossed and turned us around and feels like he's beaten us up. I thank you, God, that you are restoring right now and you're saying, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I am gonna redeem and restore everything if you trust me. So I pray this, God, over every single heart right now. Can you just under your breath, wherever you see it, just say, Jesus, I trust you the most powerful prayer you could ever pray. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. I thank you, Father God. We are a people on this Christmas who put our trust firmly in you. And we thank you, God, that you go with us from this moment. As we land this time, I'd love to say, if you are here today and you have made a big decision, or you need some help and say, I need some guidance of how I need to move forward, I'd love to point you to on my right-hand side here. Crystal would love to just give you a free Bible Mm -hmm. We'd love to give it to you as a gift or some material to help you on this journey. Don't leave here without saying, actually, I need to take a step of faith. Otherwise, we've got coffee and mince pies for free at the back, coffee and hot chocolate on the go. But also, also before we land, I'd love, I'd love to pray a Christmas blessing on you. So why don't we stand to our feet? If you're here, why don't you open your heart, open your hands to Jesus as I pray a blessing as we go. Father, I pray. A blessing over every single person here from the single people engaged people married people divorced people whatever our relationship status is i thank you god that you came to make relationship with man and that is the most prior uh, primer premier relationship for us the primary relationship is are we right with you and i thank you because of jesus we can have right standing with you god right standing, joy, peace everlasting. I pray right now over every single person, every single family, would your grace and peace invade their homes this Christmas? Would your grace and peace invade their relationships? Would your grace and peace invade their Christmas tables? Would it invade every facet of their lives? I thank you, Father God, that you have made a way so that we can know the full blessing of heaven. And I pray that over every single person here today, would you bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen.